Hey, this is Ryan here. I wanted to pop in real quick to apologize for not having this podcast finished between the week of Christmas and New Year's as mentioned in the actual podcast, which is what we thought we'd have. So uh, Michael Blueblay ended up being our final podcast for the year, and this is going to be our first. Uh, you'll see what we're talking about and what we've been doing and what we've been up to soon. Hope you enjoy. All right, we're back. The Tribe Podcast. This is uh, number eight. We're going to be talking about Florence and the Machines. It's actually number seven, I think. No. Oh, is it eight? No, oh, I think it's eight, right? Yep. Well, thanks for the interruption, I'm usually, Well, I'm usually the odd, the odd weeks. Um, anyway, we're going to yeah, be talking... Thanks for following your own podcast. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Florence and the Machines' uh, most recent album, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful, on top of mm-hmm. our normal schedule of talking about everything we've been listening to, watching, maybe some people have been to some concerts over the past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about that. But uh, again, I'm here with uh, my co-hosts, Ryan Bailey and Luke Morrow. Best one for the Yeah, I know. I should have split them. I should have oh, so. reversed it and done the Christmas one first. But, um, you know. This will be the, uh, the end of 2016. Yeah, so uh, we'll wrap up 2016 with a great album choice by uh, Ryan Bailey. And uh, I'm going to kick it over to Ryan, actually, right now to talk about what he's been listening to, uh, what he's been watching, stuff like that. Oh, all right. This is, this is new. This is different. I'm not used to it. So much pressure. Lead us off, big right. guy. <laughs> so much pressure. Um, I actually watched Creed um, on That's a really good Saturday movie. night because I didn't do anything on Saturday night. Um, I've always been a huge Loser. fan of the Rocky movies. Say what you want. Uh, obviously, some of them got better reviews than others. Um, but I thought this was very well done. I think I, I think Sylvester Stallone's um, nomination was somewhat. Um, he backed. I think he backed it up um, in the performance. I think it was probably one of his better performances. Um, you know, in terms of stuff he's done lately. Um, I know the Expendables. You know, say what you want about those. Um, but I thought he was pretty good. I also really enjoyed Michael B. Jordan's performance. I thought. I, I think he's a great actor. He's really up and coming. He's really getting pretty big. Um, I thought he was great portraying Apollo Creed's um, estranged son. Yeah, um, I agree. It was a really good movie. Acting, everything was about it was really well yeah. done. And I think what percentage of Sly's words did you understand? More Sly. so than I understood in the last Rocky movie. I think. I think his his speech was on point. I think. I, yeah, he oh. was. He did a good job. Definitely better than they port than how his character was portrayed in Rocky Five. Like they made him seem like he was all like loopy after getting hit in the head so many times. Um, I think he might be. <laughs> I also thought Rocky Balboa wasn't that bad. I, I, this was obviously better, um, but I, you know, I thought again, I thought it was a very well done movie. I really liked getting that like I don't really know much about boxing, but like there was a little bit more of a modern, obviously a modern um, take on it, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, there was the only the only scene that I don't think was necessary is when he's running in the streets. And the bikes all the, and the bikes quads. and ATVs are in the middle of the streets with <laughs> them, driving cool. down the the streets of uh, wherever they were. Philly. Philly, How yeah, sorry. My bad. Unbelievable. Um, the other thing, so... There's only been eight of them. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Michael B. Jordan, he was also in another movie, uh, Fruitvale Station. I don't know if you guys have seen oh, that. Oh, I want to see that. I heard that was great. Yeah, so it's a really good movie. It's uh, based on a true story about, like, kind of relevant to the topics of... Uh, a black guy who was killed by a cop um, unjustly, I guess you could say. 
but uh, the movie really does a very good job of painting a picture of his life and stuff like that. It's a it's a tough movie to get through, but it's a good movie. I highly recommend that. How old would you guess Stallone is? Seventy seven. No way. Oh, jeez. I would he looks say. It. Sorry. Um, I would say ten years younger. I'd say sixty seven. He is seventy. Ah, oh, really? Is he older or younger than De Niro? Younger. Younger. Yeah, he is younger. De Niro is what seventy three. Yeah, spot on. I win the Price Is Right game though, because you went over, you were under. So, uh, uh, Bailey, what else you been uh, listening to? Listening, I actually I, quite a few times over the past week, I've listened to Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety. Uh, oh. Never really uh, sat down I and know, listened you've been to spending it. Spending your nights. It's like <laughs> a five song album. No, it's like ten. Dark Side of the Moon is it? Yeah. All right. I think so. Obviously. It's a One great of the album. Greatest albums ever made. Um, but it was, I, I like I said, I hadn't really listened to it um, in its entirety ever um, until maybe two weeks ago. But lately, I've been really into it. Um, I've always been a fan of Pink Floyd, but really, really never listened to a lot of their stuff. I think I'm definitely gonna explore more. I know that was like Dark Side was what they're like seventh or eighth out or seventh or eighth album or maybe it was definitely well, wasn't it was one a little of their older, first. Yeah, tenth maybe. They have a lot of albums though. Yeah. Definitely a lot of stuff. Pink Floyd's great. Um, Have a Cigar is one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. Mm. It's a really good song. That yeah. and Wish You Were Here. Yeah. And that's on. That's not on Dark Side. No, right? neither of those are. Neither is Comfortably Numb. No, Comfortably Numb is on yeah. uh, The like, Wall, I think. Yeah. The Wall is a great album, too, actually. Yeah, yeah I think that's I'm a really good album. Definitely going to listen to The Wall. I next. saw a in high school, uh, my buddy and I went and saw a Pink Floyd cover band, uh, The Machine. They were oh, yeah. excellent, and yeah, uh, well they played the the wall front to back in the album. The, nice. the, uh, the show that we went, it was really really good. What do you think of famous cover bands like that? I think it's interesting. Um, I think they're weird if it's like a new band, like not like a new band, but like a newer band. Like Pink Floyd's been is old enough. I feel like you could have cover bands that are popular. But I don't know. It's weird too because David Gilmore, or not David Gilmore, Roger Waters still tours. I just don't like like cashing in on other people's success. Like these guys, they're just playing another band's music. That's true. And, I think it depends on like how they're famous enough for like worldwide tours. Yeah, That's true. I think it depends on how big you are. Like if you're just like a garage, not garage band, but if you're like a band playing in bars and like small venues i think it's fine but if you're like touring and you're known as a cover band i think that's weird i don't know if people actually did that these ones are pretty big so the machine's very well known uh led zeppelin has one there has a few actually there's get the lead out which who i've seen there's also les zeppelin which is all girls huh. <laughs> um there's a i mean there's a lot of cover bands that tour. i mean then you have like the bands like the nerds the oh yeah yeah but they're not as big no, as... No, the nerds don't tour like these guys. Just these guys play Jersey. like big shows. Like the shows that I saw the two cover bands were at Starland Ballroom, which is like a regular venue that big concerts go. Like yeah. I saw Counting Crows there too. Um, That's too bad. What? That's too bad. Yeah, it was... A, I mean, the mu- when they played their music, it was good, but <laughs> Adam Duritz talked a lot. Uh, yeah, they also took a, a break like halfway through the show which i thought was weird i don't, haven't really been to any concerts that take a break midway through it like an hour and a half show um yeah they're strange but yeah i don't know we talked about his charity and stuff he's a weird dude yep what else you got ryan what else do i got um did you finish westworld yet 
I haven't uh, one episode. Oh, oh my god, you're useless. <laughs> um, it's been a well, week. I've actually been listening or watching a lot of The Office lately, just like on a loop, like some like season four, and I think I jumped to actually like season seven, uh, just for no reason at all. Watch the classy Christmas episode, which great is one episode. of my favorites. Um, Jim and Dwight with the snowball fight is great. Oh, that mm-hmm. one's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that the final season with Michael Scott? Yes, that is Steve Carell's final season. Yeah, it's a good season. Yeah, definitely. Probably the best or the last good season. Eight and nine oh, were, yeah. you know, for so-so. Sure. Um, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty much it for me. Um, was nine the final season or ten? Nine. Okay, yeah. yeah I thought eight. nine was awful. Season nine, they get into yeah. the, like, they, actually, they start actually recognizing the crew and Which stuff. is awful. I thought that was so weird. It, it, it wasn't natural at all. Yeah, but it was cool to see them close the loop, kind of. Because, um, like, Parks and Rec, like, they never acknowledge it, and Parks and Rec is filmed in a similar Yeah, uh, fashion, I kind of like that they don't, though. I don't know. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about that, because even like Modern Family, they do those interviews on the right. couch and everything, but then... Talk about a show that out. needs to end. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> what, you like family? it still? Do you still watch the new ones? Yeah. Oh, my God. The show's terrible, man. Eh, I, st- I, I, I like... Obviously, the earlier seasons were better, but... I stick with my shows until the end. That that was a one, yeah. That was a show that kind of went downhill quickly. I thought, but I did. I found myself watching a, a marathon last night before um, football, and um, it was more recent episodes mm-hmm. I'd never seen before, and, and they were they were decent. Yeah. But it's overall, nothing it's like not it good. used to I mean, be. Yeah, but it's. I don't think it's terrible. It went downhill big it's time. Maybe in college. not as good as it. Yeah. Earlier seasons, but. Right. It's like kind of it. hit or miss. I mean, a lot of the episodes are too like dramatic now mm. and like touchy. Well, that or touch. And they started to do that in like every episode with the new stuff. Yeah, I just think Phil Dunphy is one of the greatest characters ever. Yeah, he's good. I hope I am like him when I am a father. That's he's like my own. Yeah, you're kind of like him. (laughs) He's the man. He's the only character that I really like in the show at this point. If I were to watch, if I like the newer ones that I've seen, the rest of the characters I don't really find enjoyable. Like, what's her name? Haley went through the same progression that the dumb characters go through where they just get even more dumb and they just become like unbearable. I don't think she's unbearable. Yeah, but they've actually, they've actually like brought her back. Yeah. Have they? Yeah. yeah she's like so. smarter than ever now. That's ridiculous then too. She's, she's growing she's up. Her grown, character's she's, growing up. Yeah, she's grown up. I guess. And then there's the Luke who was also very dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luke was like the lovable, like, yeah, he's like old and now. now he's just like, like now you're just weird because you don't <laughs> yeah. know anything. <laughs> Yeah, now he's like an awkward teen. Yeah. And hipster. He's kind of like Bailey. He was better as a kid. No. I don't know. The original yeah, show was. was great. I loved it. Now, I don't know. It, I wouldn't go. I, I mean, wouldn't. it's tough with those shows. It's weird to see those kids grow up and like Manny. Now Manny has like a deep voice yeah. and everything. But why That's not just end it? Manny was great when he was a kid. Well, because they can still make money off of it. That's the problem. That's the problem with uh, US shows. BBC doesn't do that. That's right. That's what I've said. Yeah. Um, all right, lay well, it, Luke, so let's, let's change it up and kick it over to Ryan. Me? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I had quite an eventful weekend when it comes to entertainment. Oh I will start with my Thursday evening. Maggie and I, my girlfriend and I, got tickets to go see a pre-screening of La La Land in Philadelphia. Oh, a pre-screening? Yeah, because it's not out yet. It comes out uh, like next week or something. So we, we got a pre-screening to go see La La Land, and man, 
I fell in love with this movie. This movie, I haven't seen anything as ambitious and original as this movie in a very long time. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this. It's It was a love letter to the classics. Um, it was like... So the whole movie, the idea is that it's a mix of a musical and a movie. And it's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. And the whole point's based out in L.A. And the idea is that Ryan Gosling is a struggling jazz musician who wants to become, who wants to own a jazz club, like a popular jazz club. And then Emma Stone is a struggling actress and she wants to become an actress. And she's going through the whole process. And the whole movie is about everything they go through. And everything is so real in the movie. And it's just like, it hits like... If you, it's like they show the hardships that actors go through in like the screening processes of getting a film or whatever it is. And then they show how hard it is for a musician to be famous. And like, there's, it's just, I, it, it's long. It's like two and a half hours. Yeah. But it's, it was, I loved, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Maggie, on the other hand, was not, she liked it, but she didn't love it. Um, hmm. She also is greatly against, she's not a fan of Emma Stone just at all. So I think she was biased because she doesn't. She knew going into it, she wasn't gonna like Emma Stone. So like, I love Emma Stone. Me too. I think Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling too. Say it proud. Their screen chemistry, their on-screen chemistry is just incredible. The two of them, they are just they're great. And I heard there was like a, a review that like they're the closest thing that we have to like Humphrey Bogart and that woman that was in the movies with him. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I don't know who it is. I forget. Yeah, they were so iconic that you can remember them. Yeah, but they were iconic for our, like, grandparents and stuff. And um, I wasn't alive during that time. But Oh, you weren't? Uh, I was not, unfortunately. But, like, in Casablanca, it was uh, Humphrey Bogart and that woman. And then there was, like, the Maltese Falcon and Big Sleep. And they were the iconic screen couple. And that's, like, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are basically what we have... Of them today, Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. Oh, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, that's it. I was, I was thinking Greta Garbo, but she's no. She was she later than I don't know. She was like in the fifties. I don't know. But the movie, it's long, sweeping shots. Like all there's all the musical piece parts are done in one shot, no cuts, nothing, and it's just very, very well directed, very well written. Acting is on point. The choreography, everything about it is really, really well done. I recommend anybody who's interested in music or film, anything who appreciates good music and good film, um, to go see it. I think it's a great movie. It's coming out uh, this... I think it might have just come out or it comes out next week. Um, It's already like Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone are predicted to be... um, on the nominees for best actor and best actress, it's supposed to be up for best film. Um, I hope it sweeps because it's incredible. And I would love to see more movies get made like this that are successful. It's the same guy who directed whiplash actually too. Um, I never saw it, which is Luke. You should see it. You'd love it. I don't know why you're so adverse to seeing it, but (laughs) I didn't say that. We've talked uh, about it before. Your favorite actor, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons is in uh, La La Land, too. Oh, Hank Mardukas? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Hank Mardukas. Um, But yeah, it's really, really well done. Soundtrack, I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify since I saw the movie, and it's amazing. It's great. I like like it. Yeah. The commercial confuses me. Does the movie take place in the present time? Yes. No, the commercial makes it seem like it's an old movie. No, so it has an old feel to it, though. 
because of the way it's shot and it's shot in cinemascope, which I found out, uh, which is like a movie that does old, the classics were shot in. It's a type of film, I guess they're a type of, uh, like filmmaking or lens that they use or something like that. It's a way that they shoot the movie, but it's shot differently than most movies are today. And it's a much wider angle and like, it's just very well done. Highly recommended. Being someone who considers himself somewhat of an older soul, I think I'd like it. Yeah, I would definitely check it out, Bailey. Um, I'm still watching Scrubs on top of that, but that was my real high point was La La Land. Um, and then my other high point of the weekend was my birthday gift, which is my birthday is in June, but this was a gift from June. Um, Saturday night, we went to Madison Square Garden to see Billy Joel in concert. And let me tell you something, it's worth every penny. If you have a chance to go see Billy Joel in concert, do it because the show is just, it's like a party. And like, I, I've seen Bruce Springsteen many times and this show, like it lives up. It's the same thing. It's just as good as a Bruce Springsteen show. If you ever seen Bruce, Bruce puts on like a three and a half hour show and it's just like a party. And Billy Joel's a little different because it's more piano music and stuff, but he still brings it. The guy is—he's got a great sense of humor, so he's—he interacts with the crowd. He loves—you can tell that he loves being up there and he loves playing. He plays so many hits, like he plays all the hits, but he plays some other tracks that like aren't hits. But um, he plays everything. Any any Billy Joel song you know, he plays, and it's just incredible—the amount of energy and he loves it. And you got some Christmas music too. Yeah, so it was funny. He was um. He made a joke before, like, every song. He was, like, he would play, like, a bit of a Christmas song, but he never played, like, a full Christmas song because right, um, yeah. he's not, like, he's not, like, a big Christmas music guy, but uh, he played, and then he played one song that he wrote, and he's like, this is the closest thing I have to a Christmas song that I wrote, and he played that. Um, but overall, the the show was incredible. The only song, I was a little upset because he opened, like, Every other MSG show with it is Miami 2017, uh-huh. um, and he didn't play that. And that was really? the one song Aww. I really wanted to see. And I mean, you would think he would, because, you know, the first line is, I've seen the lights go down on Broadway. And right. um, But, you know, I'm definitely going to go see him again. As incredible show. He uh, My favorite song of the night was probably Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. It's just, It was so much fun. The guy is just an incredible pianist. It's the whole thing, even as he gets older, I think he's like, I forget how old he is. Bailey, how old do you think he is? I'd say Billy Joel is 62. Uh, Luke, do you know? I would say like 66. Okay, so Billy Joel was born in 1949, making him 67. Ah, oh, way off. Yeah. I, don't know, I didn't realize he's older than... Oh, well, he doesn't than, act like it. If older you see than Bruce him, Springsteen, right? Yeah, uh, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't act like it. If you see him, the Damn, guy's got a lot him. of energy. Has a lot of fun yeah. on stage. The band is incredible that he's playing with too. A lot of fun. And he's overweight, but he looks really good for his age. He does. You know, I if you get a chance to go see a Billy Joel in concert, I can't talk higher about it. Please do it. Um, but other than that, that was my eventful weekend. Didn't do anything else really. Just kind of. Relax, haven't been watching or listening to anything else. But uh, so let's go, Luke. What about you? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, not much either. Um, I finally saw Jingle All the Way. That was exciting. I saw the uh, end of I it. I've seen it twice now, or at least parts of it twice. So that's good. As we're currently talking here, uh, Michael Bublé is on TV. 
with uh, Michael Bublé, Sings and Swings. Did you hear about his son? Uh oh, I didn't even know he had a son. I guess he has a son. I just heard my uh, coworkers were talking about it today. He has uh, like leukemia or brain cancer oh, or something. Yeah, so um, he's. I guess he's got like a lot going on with that. I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. Well, we wish the best to Bublé and his family. Yes, we um, do. Yes. The only noteworthy thing that I've really watched, other than Jingle All the Way, is actually the original Batman, Tim Burton's Batman Ooh. from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Batman. Love it. Because of the soundtrack. Great film. Great soundtrack that we referenced uh, in our Prince episode. Well done by Prince. And I've always considered it kind of like a Christmas movie, but I don't know why. Uh, and it always seems to be on TV in December. So well, it takes place I feel around like I always this time, this doesn't time it? I don't know. I mean, it was a summer release, like all the big movies were back then. Uh, there's like a parade, but I don't think it's a, like a Christmas theme or anything. No. I don't know. Speaking of, I uh, read a thing on Reddit today about how summer releases, or not summer. So yeah, how, obviously there was like there's periods of time where big movies are planned to be released and stuff like that, and like January through February and like March were kind of like down times, and then like April and August and stuff were down times. Mostly because, so like January and those months are because of the Oscar movies are still in the theaters and um, people are going to see them over new releases. Um, but I feel like that's changing a little bit. So like Deadpool was released in February on Valentine's Day and did very well. Um, specifically, I was looked. I saw a trailer for a new movie, The Cure for Wellness, um, is being released in February, which the movie looks really good. So unless they're planning on it tanking, um, I think it seems like those kind of those months the the bad times to release movies are almost going away and they're kind of just releasing them whenever yeah well because i don't know if there's really ever a good time to release movies these days that's the other thing um did i ever ask you guys if uh i heard about a, a service that where you could pay i think it was like you can pay it's something that oh it's actually something sean parker is like funding yeah, you have the uh, experience in your living room. Yeah, you pay like fifty dollars, oh, yeah. and you can get the box office movies the same day as they're released in theaters, and you can watch it at home. Would you guys do it? If I had a family, yeah, I agree. I would do it too. Because as you take four kids, you and first off, if you have a baby, you're not going to the movies ever. Right. Um. Secondly, if you have your wife, you and your wife, and then two kids that's 40 bucks right there and then you got the kids are going to want slushies and luke's going to want an icy so yes like, absolutely. you're definitely going to have more money spent there it's like it's easily over 50 dollars, and you can cook dinner at home so you're not or even if you want like dinner in a movie like if maggie and i go to dinner in a movie dinner alone costs 50 dollars, and i gotta pay for a movie too what are you going to uh well, McDonald's? what dinner for two people have oh you think 50 dollars cheap for two people no, fifty dollars is pretty. Ex- yeah, that's that's no, nah, we pay fifty or sixty with usually like two drinks and like we get like just regular meals. We don't go anywhere fancy. Usually we go like a bar. Yeah, they're at like Red Lobster. Um, <laughs> that's right. I would do it for the convenience factor. I wouldn't care about the price uh, because I love going to the theater. So like, if that was an option right now, I would never. I would never do it. I'd rather go to the theater. That makes sense. But like you're by yourself, and, and fifty dollars is pretty exorbitant uh, just I, to watch it at home by yourself. Right. Right. Well, I'm saying me and a friend. I don't go to the movies by myself, which I never really understood because you don't talk to anybody in the movie theater. So I don't get why there's a whole stigma about going to the theaters by yourself. But still, I don't do it. Me neither. Um, 
I think I would go by myself. If I was going to go by myself, I'd probably go midday, though. Like, if I was off during the day yes, and I, I had nothing to do, I'd idea. go in the middle of the day. I'd pay a matinee and right. just go see a movie. I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd have a problem I, with that. I, sorry. But I, I love going to the theaters um, because I think it was kind of, like, romanticized as a kid where it was, like, a big deal. Same with, like, going out to eat. My family, we didn't do it a lot. We didn't go out to eat a lot. And I'd only go to the movies either with a friend's family or for like a birthday party or whenever we lost power that was like the only time we would go out as a family to movies was when we had nothing to do at the house because the power was out See, so it was always it's always like it's still to, the, to this day cool to like be in the theater and go to a movie and i love like i told you guys i get my icy every time uh, i get some sort of candy every time and uh i have two older brothers one of them i don't think ever goes to the movies the other one's similar to me where he loves seeing movies in theaters and i think just because we grew up where it was like it was a big deal for us. I guess it's different. So obviously you grew up in a house of five. And um, so I look at me, like I grew up, my parents divorced when I was four and it was just me in the house. So it was my mom and I, um, we actually ate out quite often since she worked most nights. Like she was every night. I mean, she worked every night and she got home at five or six o'clock every night and every night she didn't want to cook a meal sometimes. So like we would eat out quite often. Um, we wouldn't, we'd go to the movies a decent amount. I probably agree, though. I probably went more for, like, birthdays or with friends than I did with my mom. But I think we went to the movies a decent amount. So, like, I do like going to the movies. I don't like paying the current prices for movies. What do yeah, you pay down in Florida for a movie? Yeah, it's, like, the same. It's uh, around, like, 11 to 12. And then yeah, same. They, they have the uh, Tuesday deals down here as well where it's, like, $6. IMAX is, like, 20 nowadays. It's crazy. And I, I do like crazy. seeing IMAX movies, oh, but it's, it's awesome. so expensive. Yeah. I think I think I'm on the same page as Luke. I I went quite a bit when I was a kid, and I've always kind of liked something about just the ambiance of being in the theater and it being dark and the lighting of the the runway or whatever you call it, the walkway. I don't know. Gives me I don't know. It's a good place. It's a good uh, it's a good place to see a movie. Now, obviously. have you heard of the new movies, the movie theaters that are doing dinner and stuff like they serve food and drinks? That. I wouldn't want to do that. Either. Distracting. Yeah. And yep. Yeah, I don't want to drink anything because it'd make me have to pee during the movie. I don't want to worry about that <laughs> exactly. shit. Well, that, that, and like, I just don't want waiters and waitresses coming to exactly. me or other people during the movie. You'd have to design the theater so like all the seats are raised up. and So and you the, can't, so nobody's in the way. Yeah. I just, I don't think I would waiters enjoy it. Waiters walk around in stilts or something. <laughs> um, yeah, they just opened up one here in Daytona. Uh, that's that idea. And you order food and drink and then they, they bring it to you into the, in the theater and it's supposed to be like a luxurious theater and everything it's kind of expensive too, it is so expensive it's like 50 dollars yeah and then my my brother used to live in boston and there's a similar one in patriots place right next to the patriot stadium and uh it's it's the balcony it's like a second level if you want that option you go up there otherwise it's a regular theater down below and there's like recliners and everything and but how many he said like uh, he would run into like patriots players there who would always go to movies up there that's pretty cool but like movies are what about two hours you have to have like your meal in the middle of a movie that you're going to see <laughs> like that's my other thing and i i drives me crazy but Maggie gets up to pee like three times during a movie when we go to the movies. And I, oh. even if I have to go, I'll hold it because who can't hold it for the duration of the movie. And if you like, you're, you're there for such a short period of time, just hold or it. Or the people who go to get their popcorn refilled. Come on. Oh, yeah. so who annoying. does that? It's so annoying. You eat it during the Let's preview the and then you go right, right before it's starting, you go get a refill. So that's the one thing. I wouldn't miss about going to the movies is the possibility of people being annoying around you. You can't control the people around you. Like 
so the movie that we went to was great. It was packed, sold out when we saw La La Land. And it was just small, small theater that only shows like art house films. And um, so like Manchester by the Sea, which is just coming out as well, was playing mm-hmm. there last week. Um, so it's a two theater movie theater. And they show only like they show like art movies or they show um, like new releases and stuff. And uh, I know someone I read a review about the theater. Someone said like the director showed up after the movie for like a and a um, but regular movie theaters, like anybody can go and you just got to deal with possible annoyances, kids. You don't know who you're going to deal with. I wouldn't pay $50 by myself to watch it at home. But like when I have a family, I think 100% if that's an option, I would do it. Yeah. Like I said, just cause of the convenience I got dragged. I mean, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think both of you guys were there because Bailey like loves it. When I got dragged to like the Harry Potter movie. And, oh, uh, I remember that. Moose. I got like the bucketless, uh, bottomless popcorn, and so he he chugged it during the previews just to get a refill, and then he felt like nauseous afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and passed out yeah. and thought he was gonna throw up in the yeah. bucket because he drank like eight beers before it too, or something. Yeah, didn't and he, he downed a freaking full bucket. Why of popcorn did he like even go? Minutes. I don't know. He he just had it was an event. He had us, someone draw a lightning bolt on his forehead. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he just wanted to be a part we, of the event. We also saw American Pie or American Wedding. One oh, night. that's right. You guys went and saw that too. Yeah, yeah I don't think I was there. For Luke that. and yeah, you I were there. Luke, I thought you were. No, you weren't. Luke and I went and I saw know, Moneyball Junior Year. Yeah, we saw Moneyball. That was the scariest experience in a movie theater I've ever had. Yeah, me too. I I like, and I don't. It's not like I don't know. I don't. I feel like it's not racist, but at the same time, I feel like. I, I was 100% scared. Like, I did not feel safe for the first half of the movie. Absolutely. But if I remember correctly, I think it was like it just, it was like September, and that summer was when the uh, Colorado event occurred. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't far out from that. Yeah. So that was in, in the back of everyone's mind. And I think the whole movie theater was tense. Yeah. And I know Zeno was like ready to, <laughs> ready to act if need be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he, we thought he was going to have to. They came right up to our aisle. I know. They sat next to us. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that was bad. But the movie was great. Moneyball's great. Movie. Yeah, good movie. Um, all right. So back on topic, Luke, was there uh, anything else? Oh, wait. One more thing about movie theaters. Do any of your movie theaters oh, that you guy. guys go to, do you have to reserve your seats? Yeah, the one by my no. the one at Garden State Plaza by yeah. my hometown. It's, you have to. For like the big, like Star Wars, when I go to see Star Wars this weekend. I'll probably have to like reserve, reserve. A seat. Yeah. So both the theaters by me and the one by my dad that I basically went to my growing up, um, you have to reserve your seats. Like no matter what movie you're seeing, you have to reserve two seats. Like I don't think yeah, you have stupid. to pay, but you have to reserve the seats. Yeah, you know, there's no extra extra charge. Is it a specific seat you have to sit in, or just the ticket itself? I think it's just the ticket, like just reserving the fact well, that you have two seats. The one by me, it's you have to reserve a seat. Like what you you buy a ticket, you pick a seat. Like, oh, oh really? I didn't know that. Pad and you like you pick a seat. Okay. So you have to coordinate like with your that. friends to make sure there's like enough and enough, um, you know, enough for you guys to sit in, in a group. It's a pain in the ass. That is annoying. Yeah, it's tough. I wouldn't like that. I don't think I'd want the recliner seats either. I'd fall asleep. Uh, I, I went to one in Santa Monica when I went to see Josh, and we, we went to see Spectre, uh, James Bond film, and uh, those they had the reclining seats. And I almost thought I had re- I was reclined for a while. I was like, all right, I gotta. I got to go back up because yeah. I'm probably going to pass out and I don't want to pass out during this movie. Cause... Right. What well, about you? It's been a boring movie. Yeah. Do you like them, Luke? No, it wasn't a boring movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course you do. So you can take a nap. Much more comfortable. Have you guys ever... I've never fallen asleep in the theater. This is... You don't have to admit to it. 
Have you ever seen a movie and snuck into another movie or bought ticket to a movie and snuck into a different movie? No. I've always wanted to. I don't think I ever actually have. I've never done it either. I don't think I've uh, had the guts to try it, <laughs> even though it would be my, so easy. I, you know, I think my grandparents actually do that because but, they'll go to like a, a matinee and then they'll they'll sit through it and I don't I don't know if they actually did this or they talked about doing this but they're like oh yeah well we'll just sit through and then our excuse will be that we're just old and we're senile <laughs> right <laughs> and we don't well, know what's going on back in the old people can get away with anything. oh definitely but back in the day weren't matinees all like double features and stuff where you could see two films yeah maybe like back in the fifties that would be around when his grandparents were going to the movies. Oh, is that what you're talking about? I thought you were talking about what, like double features ten years ago when we could sneak. Oh, they, no. had, like, they had double features when our parents were kids, probably. Yeah, probably. I don't know. No, not when. Did you guys ever? You ever go to a drive-in theater? So there's one oh, not yeah. far from uh, my dad's, and him and his girlfriend love going to it. We have never been, but he says oh, it's great. It's the best. I saw it was like a Mr. Deeds or <laughs> Men in Black Two. I forget what it was uh, in um in a drive-in. It's good. That's pretty funny. We had we had one almost walking distance from our house, and uh, the last movie I saw there was The Flintstones, and it was missing all sorts of panels on the screen. And uh, so it wasn't yeah, very it, good. Uh, no, it was a great. We used to love going, but the place went really downhill, and you knew it was only a matter of time before they closed. And now it's like a housing cl- complex. So yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, um, Luke, do you have anything else you've been listening to or watching? Was that it? Uh, yeah, so that was really it for watching. Uh, Batman, giving that Batman over any other ones. All oh, right. No offense to Heath Ledger, he was great, but Jack Nicholson's the best Joker. Hands um, down. Michael Keaton is the best Batman, and Tim Burton is the better director. Um, and then listening, I've really lately I've really been listening to uh, "I've Got You Covered" by Sugar and the Hilos, which is a fantastic song and a good song for this time of year. It's uh. A new band, but they sound like they're from like the 50s or 60s. About to say, it sounds like mm. a doo-wop band. Yeah. yeah, I think you know the song, at least if you heard it. Well, uh, maybe and, not. And it's a, song, it's a song that Bailey, I think, would like as well. Um, it's uh, great for this time of year. And then, kind of a guilty pleasure maybe, but a song I've been listening to a lot lately that, that's been stuck in my head. Justin Bieber? Is, uh, no, not that guilty. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I think it's called Into the Night. And this is another song, if you heard it, you would know. It's by Benny Mardonis from 1980. Mardukas? Uh, yeah, exactly. And it is such a, it's, it's a great song, but it's probably the creepiest music video you will ever see. And it's from uh, 1980. Hmm. And it's about, the song is about, it's essentially about like a pedophile singing about like a 16-year-old. That's good. Uh, the opening line of the song is, she's only 16 years old, leave her alone. Um, and then it goes from there. But like the the music video is so weird because for one, it's about this old guy. He's in like his thirties and he's spying like through the window on That's the sixteen year old because the father won't let him see her. So weird. And he, yeah, and the guy looks creepy to begin with. He's wearing like a tank top and he's got this long like goofy seventies hair, and uh, he's like singing into the payphone at one point. <laughs> And then it all culminates. The big climax is that he climbs through the window and he just lays out. Uh, he climbs through the window with a rug and he lays out a rug in the <laughs> girl's bedroom. And, and they just sit on the rug. It's so strange. Wow. And it's, it's got to be like the worst and creepiest music video. And, and it's not even like one of those cheap, uh, like almost like, you know, a local commercial. Like it's a legit mainstream Hollywood music video. That's just and, so weird. Uh, 
a top hit from the 80s. And it's really weird. And the song, the lyrics, if you listen to it closely, they're kind of creepy too. But it's a great song. And it's a, a well-sung song. And so uh, I came across that one. And I was like, oh, I know this song. And that's been like stuck in my head a lot lately. Great song. Yeah, weird I'm, music I'll have video. to check it out. Look it up. Yeah, it sounds quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. It's been a slow week. All right. Well, if that's it, let's get into our album review and as i said before we're going to be reviewing florence and the machines most recent i believe it was 2015 release you are correct of how big how blue how beautiful And I'm going to throw it over to Ryan to take it away into a little background on Florence and the album and all that fun stuff. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so I, I picked this because I've always been a huge, huge fan of Florence and the Machine. Um, as I mentioned on one of our earlier podcasts, I love female vocalists, and she is probably one of the best, if not the best, um, female vocalist there is out there today. Um, so the band, it's, it's, it's obviously Florence Welch is the front, front woman. Um, and there's quite a few other band members. Um, I'm not sure who plays what, but I know there's elements of, there's a lot of horn stuff in it. There's guitar, there's drums, there's like harp as well. So very interesting, um, instruments that they have kind of, you know, that they integrate into all their albums. Um, this album in particular, obviously, like Ryan said, it came out in 2015 and we actually had talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm in the early, you know, the, uh, early stages of the tripodcast, um, we had talked about it a little bit and, uh, you know, traded uh, our favorite songs and everything. Um, so, you know, I've, ever since it came out, I've always been a huge fan. Obviously, I think the first time I heard Florence and the Machine was when they came out with, uh, Dog Days Are Over, which was like their first big hit. That was Luke's favorite <clears throat> song, uh, sophomore year of college. Great yeah. song. That's, yeah, came out sophomore year of college. So since, ever since I heard that, I was hooked. Um, I actually think so. Sorry to interrupt. I think that album came out in two thousand nine. Um, yeah, it came out right. before we were yeah. in college. But it really that song took off like our sophomore year. I think. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's when I remember Luke like falling in love with it. Yeah. So a little bit of background on this album. So it actually they started recording it when Florence and 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 the and the Machine were kind of on a little bit of a hiatus, which was kind of, from what they said, a little different than you know how they you know came to be because. Uh, in their early years, I guess, when their first two albums came out, they were constantly working, constantly on tour. Um, and from what uh, Florence was saying um, about, you know, the events leading into this um, album and their recording of this album, it was kind of a chaotic period in her life where she kind of didn't really know where she was going. Kind of a definitely, a, as I said, they, she took a bit of a hiatus. Um, she really didn't know, you know, where to go from here, what she wanted to do with her career. Um and actually, she credits Taylor Swift as um, an influence that kind Ugh, of got her back on track. Um, and and what she, I guess, had pulled from talking to Taylor was understanding, like, you know, how to reflect on your life experiences and, you know, change or whatever. So she credits Taylor to helping her get out of this kind of uh, funk. Um, and um, they also said that um, during the filming of this, given that it was in during this time um, where, you know, 
she was kind of vulnerable, it, it seems to be one of her more, you know, personal albums, you know, some of her more personal work. And I think you can really hear that in the lyrics to some of the songs and, you know, just the general tone and melodies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, obviously one of my, probably one of my favorite albums that we've reviewed so far. Um, really happy I picked it. I think one interesting story that I think I told you guys about was um, obviously how how big, how blue, how beautiful. Um, there's also obviously a song titled that, um, and the lyrics go: "Between a crucifix and a Hollywood sign, we decided to get hurt." A crucifix and a Hollywood sign, we decided to get hurt. Now there's a few things we have to burn. Set our hearts ablaze. So when I was in L.A. and when I was going to the Hollywood sign, as we were driving there, I had those lyrics stuck in my head all day, all day. and um, All day? All day. Um, so we get to uh, Griffith Park. We park All day. <laughs> yes, it was all day. We get to Griffith Park by the observatory um, in Los Angeles, and we're walking up towards the observatory, and I still have the lyrics stuck in my head, and I look out. Because it's still the same day. Yes, it was still the same day, all right. day. So, all day. Um, so I look out on just the mass, which is, you know, whatever that mountain range is, Griffith Park or whatever, and I see a crucifix. I'm like, holy crap, there's a crucifix there. And then there's a Hollywood sign. What's in between it? And I looked it up, and I think it's the Hollywood Bowl that's kind of in between. There's this cross in, like, the Hollywood Hills, um, and then there's a Hollywood sign, and apparently the Hollywood Bowl is right in the middle. So What's the Hollywood Bowl? It's like a concert venue. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I think she might have drawn that from some past experience she had there. Um, so I thought that was really funny how I had no idea, like, that's what she was referencing. And I had this song stuck in my head all day. I mean, I could have assumed she was referencing a crucifix and a Hollywood Well, sign. I thought the crucifix was more like, I didn't think it was literal. I thought it was more like figurative. Um, all right. But yeah, so that's a funny story, um, you know, related to this album. So every time I listen to this album, I think of my trip to L.A. and my hiking of the uh, Hollywood sign or hiking to the Hollywood sign, um, but yeah, interested to see what uh, what you guys thought about it. Luke, you want to give your review first? Sure. Um, first off, the Hollywood Bowl and MSG and Red Rocks are the three places I've always wanted to see a show. No, I haven't made it to any of them just yet. Me I've either. been to I MSG. See a concert. All right. Well, you're one third there. Um, Red Rocks is definitely on my list. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So hopefully I make it out there someday. Anyways, not. in regards to uh, Florence, uh, as mentioned, as mentioned, is certainly a great talent. I've always been a fan, but I felt uh, like I've just been skimming the surface. I've never really done a deep dive on her music. I have a lot of, not a lot, I have a handful of her songs on my iPod. And as Ryan said, liked her from her first hit uh, about five year, five to six years ago. But... Uh, I've always wanted to at least dive into this album, so I'm glad that, that Bailey chose it. From my knowledge, I felt like it was her best work. I feel like her first two albums were kind of... She's she's tough to, to pin a genre on, I feel. I think she's unique. She kind of has her own sound. The first two albums or her earlier stuff maybe would be kind of more like electrical, I guess, like electric rock mm-hmm. type of deal, where I thought that this album was more just like maybe not straight up indie rock, but it was, I don't know, tough to describe. It was more, it was closer to, it was more just rock. rock. Yeah. Or just closer to rock in general than her past stuff. And so I liked that. And I thought it was her, like I said, I I think her, her best work, obviously her most personal work. 
Uh, the album itself starts off with a great one-two punch. I knew a handful of songs off this album, uh, pretty much the singles and the hits that have been out in the public. Uh, Ship to Wreck and What Kind of Man are two great songs and two great songs to start the album. As Bailey mentioned, uh, the, the title of the album is also the title of a song. wasn't really a fan of the song itself, but I did like the album. Uh, it's a couple other ones, Delilah. Not, maybe not as good as Tom Jones' Delilah, but still a great song, especially once it picked up. Overall, I wasn't a huge fan of the slower stuff on the album, and maybe that's just me in general. Um, but I liked the more upbeat songs, whether it be Ship to Wreck, uh, What Kind of Man, even like Third Eye. As I said, Delilah, once it actually picked up. The one exception was maybe St. Jude was a really mm -hmm. good song that I liked that was a slower-paced song towards the end of the album. I didn't listen to the deluxe version, so just the 11 songs. Not the longest album in terms of songs, but each of the songs were pretty lengthy. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, Ship to Wreck, What Kind of Man, Delilah, and I think Third Eye would be my four that I, that I really enjoyed out of the 11. St. Jude was solid. And then the other ones were all decent, but just not necessarily my, my cup of tea in terms of uh, maybe the pacing. But, you know, a good piece of work. She's, uh, she's an excellent singer. I've watched on youtube live performances she seems to be a great entertainer i like her cover stuff that she's done covering other people's work so um she's just really talented and somebody that is certainly popular at least in some circles but i think should be more popular and uh and yeah enjoyed the listen that's good yeah um yeah i love this album i listened to it when it first came out i'm a big florence and the machine fan um and this album just it it blew it blew me away when I first listened to it, and it's even now listening to it still blows me away. Uh, most of the I, I I'll get to the songs that I liked in a minute, but um, so I agree with Luke. Back when we were in college, uh, "Dog Days Are Over" was a big hit, and I remember knocking Luke because I didn't really like it as much at first, and also probably the That's fact right. that he listened to it about six thousand times. <laughs> okay, that is, and it was such... like the same thing as Moose listening to Bruno Mars song, and it was just like <laughs> yeah. I can't even listen to this; it's so bad. That is so debatable. It's not at all. And uh, but after Luke stopped listening to it, I was able to gain some respect for it because I was able to enjoy it on my own time, and uh, it's a great song. Her first album, um, ceremony, uh, not ceremonials. Um, her first album is Lungs. Oh, Versus? And, um, no, Lungs is her first album. And, um, that is... I th I, so I, didn't, I never listened to either Lungs or Ceremonials. Uh, Ceremonials is her second album with the other single, Shake It Off, which is a great a song as well. In uh, How I Met Your Mother. Exactly. Shake It Off is a great song, but uh, much better than Taylor Swift's version of Shake It Off. Not that they're the same yeah. song. But it's, well, it's Shake It Out. Oh, shake it out. My bad. Uh, Florence's. Yeah, whatever. Better name anyway. Um, yeah, still better. Yeah. Ceremonials. Again, another album I never listened to all the way through, but I knew some songs off of it. Both those albums, and I definitely agree with Luke, had a much different sound than this album. Um, this album was just much more hard-hitting rock. I had seen her live um, at, like, I went to a concert, and there was just a bunch of different bands that played throughout the really? whole. It's like a festival, a one-day festival in Philadelphia. Uh and uh, she was one her. of the bands. Same with of Monsters and Men. And um, 
she was just the her voice is incredible and speaking of youtube uh there's a video of her playing for like a cancer patient or something and it's just her and her guitar player doing like an acoustic version it's just her singing it's incredible like how good her raw voice is it's so refined and she's just very very talented um really interesting tidbit i found about the band name so the machine um that came from so they were formed in 2007 in london but uh her and isabella summers who is the keys player in the band and backing vocals were in, knew each other or they were friends as teenagers and they collaborated together as teenagers as um isabella went by isabella machine summers and uh florence called herself florence robot but um so it's just like stupid little fun names that they had for each other and now Isabella's in the band but uh, that's where you get Florence and the machine from from their initial collaborations together and now they've like obviously blown up to this other thing but it, it's pretty cool to see how they they started out just like a teenage thing yeah that's awesome and um, I mean she's now 30 so that was 15 years ago I guess or I don't really know teens could be anything but um so I listened. I actually listened to the deluxe album as well, and the, so I want to talk about this after we finish the review a little bit. We'll talk about deluxe albums. All right. Um, but so the deluxe album really only had three additional songs, and then two other songs were just demos of songs from the albums, and they were not as good as the album version, which is to be expected. A demo is a demo for a reason. Um, it's before they really mix and put everything in there. But uh, the one song off the deluxe, Make Up Your Mind, is a really, really great song that I would check out if you didn't listen to the deluxe version. Um, but off the album, I couldn't even pick like one of my favorites because I like so many songs. But um, Ship to Wreck, What Kind of Man, the title track, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. Uh, Delilah, I agree with Luke on that one. The uh, other song that Luke didn't mention, Various Storms and Saints. I was going to bring that one up. Yeah, yeah, really, really good song. And then Third Eye as well. Third Eye, uh, again, Luke said, uh, powerful, just like a heavy-hitting kind of rock song. Really, really good. The album in general is just, it's again, it's a great album. I could listen to it over and over again, so I can speak. I speak very highly of it. I think if you appreciate good vocals and just in general good music, the music in the whole album is great. The arrangements and everything with, the, with the, all the, uh, the strings and everything is yeah. incredible, and it's typical Florence fashion, but it's just this album really takes it to another level, which is sometimes a little surprising for a third release especially in newer music where you kind of see the best album is their first album, their second album. They usually struggle to follow it up. And then their third album is usually hit or miss. Um, That's the make or break album. Exactly. So um, I think this really, I personally think she did a great job on it. And I would say it's a make album as opposed oh, to yeah. a break album. I definitely killed it. And I think um, I really like, like as kind of a retort to what Luke was saying about the the slower songs and how I didn't like them. I know Ryan brought it up, but in Vicious Storms and Saints particularly, that's really the first song that's kind of um, the. It's just the tempo is a little bit slower. Um, it's not as big. The the band isn't as big in this one, and I really feel like this one's a little bit more raw and it's like kind of maybe a little bit even darker. But I thought it's interesting because there's just like that soft guitar riff, and then it's just that in her voice, which is you know kind of. Um, contrasts the rest of the album where it's all most of the songs have a, that big band in the background this is kind of more raw and just kind of um yeah. 
a little bit less music, but I mean, I think that was probably my favorite in terms of slow albums. All the songs you guys mentioned are great, obviously, as well. Like Queen of Peace, I don't think you guys brought that one yet, but I really like the chorus in that one. Um, obviously, Shipwreck and What Kind of Man, HB, 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 if you get what that means. Um, yes. <laughs> um, Delilah, obviously. I don't know, Luke, um, I don't know why you compared it to Tom Jones. It's just because it's, uh, just just cause just the, because name. the name. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hey there, Delilah. <laughs> It's like in New York City. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I forgot to mention Queen of Peace. That was a song I really liked as well, and it reminded me of kind of like U two or even some of the more recent work of David Bowie. That was a really good song, but I I I wasn't a fan of uh, various storms and saints. I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right, you can't win them all. Hey, play a YouTube record <laughs> while you're there. I think also the last song, Mother. I think I like really like how it fades out with that guitar. See, Mother mm-hmm. is one of the songs that I really didn't like really? on the album. I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah, it was my favorite, but I think it was it was still decent. It wasn't it was bad. I just I don't know. I don't I I liked other ones much better. Yeah, I like the ending. I, I always talk about like the bookends of an album, the way you start it and end it. And obviously, Ship to Wreck is a great way to start it. And Mother, the song itself, maybe wasn't one of my favorites, but I did like the way it ended to to wrap up the album. Um, it was it was solid. Yeah. Um. So deluxe albums. What's the deal? Well, everyone's to, to doing that them. point to Florence's this deluxe version. I thought the one you didn't mention, Hiding, the first one. The first deluxe, oh, that was a good song too. Yeah. First bonus track, I thought that was great too. So, cash grab. It's a moneymaker, obviously. They all are, but everyone's doing it. Buble, they had every album that Buble releases has a deluxe version with it. Um, I, I think it's pretty obnoxious if you're going to do a deluxe version and then just have demos on it. Well, that see, I don't like that. I don't, I don't know. So a lot of bands release B sides. I guess it could be like. The problem that I have is when a band releases a B-Sides, it's usually released at a later date. And it's like, they just, it's stuff that they left off the album for whatever reason. And in one sense, some songs are left off the album for a reason. Um, maybe they don't fit the structure or the tone that the artist wants in the album. Because a lot of albums are built off of like a story or like a flow and every song is like in the artistically in the artist's mind is going to flow together and it goes together and they're all meant to be on the album for a reason. So maybe those couple songs weren't meant to be on the album, but they wanted to release them anyway. I don't know. A lot of times I feel like it just feels like a cash grab. Like Luke said to just have a deluxe version. I don't know, Yeah, but it's deluxe. I don't know. B side. I, I don't know. B-sides aren't so bad to me. Like, Tom Petty had Keeping Me Alive. That was a B-side that never made the album. Uh, one of my favorite songs of his, and it's something that he has said for many years that he wishes he ignored the executives, put it on the album, would have made a much better album back in uh, 82. But at least you're getting different songs with that. Demos, and one that I point to is George Harrison something. I love that demo so much better than the than the uh, actual studio version mm-hmm. when the producers got their hands on Exactly. It. So a lot of it comes down to that when you have a record deal, you, the artist doesn't have the last say anymore a lot of times. And it's it's what the record company wants and the image that they have for you. So if that's if they have if they have a track list that they want of the songs that you recorded, um, then that's what they're gonna put out on the album. But then at the other t- at the end of the day, like 
they're releasing a deluxe at the same time and they're saying put these songs on it. So I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know. Yeah, well, with that said, with the demo, I mean, there's certain songs, and it's kind of rare, but there's certain songs where I do like the demo better, like that George Harrison thing. But right. if I'm going to spend more money, I don't want two versions of the same song on mm, there. I agree. I'd rather have a B-side. At least it's a, it's a new song. Uh, that reminds me of, uh, who was it? Petey Pablo. I bought a Petey Pablo album. I used to love Petey Pablo. I don't know who Petey Pablo is. it was like is. just five versions <laughs> of his song, Raise Up. Luke was... It's like, what is this? This is terrible. Luke was obsessed with this like rap when he was a kid. Oh yeah, Petey Pablo really was in old school rap. He was featured in the movie Drumline with Nick Cannon. Oh jeez, yeah. Luke was like, Luke always says how Cisco like Enter the Dragon was the first album he ever bought. <laughs> Is that true? Or I had, a, just... I had a dragon necklace because of it. What was your favorite Cisco song? Oh, definitely a funk song. That was the only. That was the only That's one. everyone's yeah. favorite. Loved, song. Everyone's. I loved uh, Bubba Sparks back in the day. Um, yeah, all that stuff, ludicrous. Up until around like middle school, early to shortly after the early 2000s. I liked ludicrous I, a lot. I, I was a big Eminem. I'm still a big Ooh. Eminem fan. Yeah, I like Eminem too. Um, Ja Rule. Yep. Loved ja Hello, Rule. Cool J. The ladies love Cool yeah. J. Yeah, about Coolio. Coolio is a different person, right? Yes. Coolio is LL Cool J. Coolio did the theme song for Keenan. No, yeah, yeah, different person. Yeah. Great theme song, by the way. It was. That's the only Coolio song. I Gangster's think. Paradise. Oh, that was Coolio? I think so. I have no idea. Oh, Tupac. I enjoy Tupac. As we all know, Bailey Tupac. does as well. According to Spotify, yeah, I do. It's his top, Most one of his top to artists. artists. in 2016. Yeah. Um, no, it was just because of that one like month I listened to a lot of Tupac stuff. So, Is he going to be your most listened musician in 2017, Bailey? No, I think um, that's we, we don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see what the uh, what the data tells us in a year. Looking forward to it. We'll have a touch point on that podcast next year, episode sixty. That's right. Um, so, Luke, scale of one to ten. This may be kind of hypocritical with my past reviews, but I think I'm gonna go six. You give like Buble a six? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I gave him a six on a scale of Christmas album. <laughs> I gave him like a three for. All albums. That's what I'm saying. Maybe Bailey kinda, gave Buble I'm, I'm like a, a ten over. No, I didn't. Bailey hasn't stopped listening to it. That's become his most listened. No, to not at all. <laughs> next, next year, that's I, really Buble's I, Christmas album. Yeah, I'd say I'd say eight. Say eight. Yeah, um, I probably agree with you. Uh, I'd say eight on this one. This is oh, probably my favorite album. Finally, the so Ryan's far. agree. Yeah, well, I uh, I love Florence and the Machine, and I would even see I, I enjoyed this more than the. Um, Gary Clark Jr. album as well. So I'd give it eight. I would say eight. It's definitely not Stadium Arcadium, but um, <laughs> it's up there. Still. I would say I, I would li- I could listen to this album without wanting to skip any songs. Oh, yeah, definitely. But that doesn't say much when it's a 10-song album compared to a 25-song True. album. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shorter album. Yeah. But, um, well, I mean, it's 48 minutes. So it's in retrospect of current albums. It's not that bad. The new Lumineers album was like 32 minutes. Which that's ridiculous. It's just after a six-year hiatus, you come out with 32 minutes of new music. I'm a little disappointed. You know, I th- yeah, second yeah. that second album. I think um, this is unrelated to the Lumineers. Uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to bring up I, I was um, one thing I don't think I mentioned, but I, I I find it interesting when big bands do covers of other big band songs, like for no reason at all. Um, in particular, I was, you know, searching um, YouTube last night for some co- Florence and the Machine covers just to, you know, see if they've done any. And um, they actually did this great one of uh, Times Like These by the Foo Fighters. 
it was at like the Glastonbury Music Festival in the United Kingdom, and it was right after Grohl had broken his leg, and like mm-hmm. it was like a tribute to him for him to get well soon. Um, like I said, they played times like these, and and she just absolutely killed it. Like it was so that her arrangement was so good. Um, it was obviously different because I'm obviously used to the Foo Fighters version, but it was just it it's it was it was great. I really I highly recommend you guys um, checking it out, and I I'll think it's. That out. In general, it's just so cool how there's like camaraderie between big artists. Like, I feel like you don't see it that much. Not always. I know, not always, but uh, I guess it depends on who they are. But I think like a lot of like, you know, pop and like rap, like you won't see that. You won't see Kanye do that. Kanye doesn't really care about anyone else but himself. No. Like, you see it a lot more in rock, is where you Yeah, it's just like the camaraderie and. it's a very new thing, though. Most of respect. a lot of these old respect bands too, yeah. do not like other people using their music. Um, <clears throat> but it was it was a tribute to him, which I thought was great, and, yeah. and it was just awesome. I've heard rumors I that think... Metallica is very protective over their music and basically everything, yeah. and they're like very obsessive about making sure no one uses anything without their permission. They like sued Napster years back. Yeah, but yeah, they're pretty douchey about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, uh, I think Florence, I think it was her that did a great cover of Dig a Pony, which was one of my favorite Beatles songs. Hmm. I, so that's another good cover of hers. I enjoy covers. I think, like I said, I think new bands covering current bands is cool. Uh, Ryan Adams covered Taylor Swift's entire album, and it's better than Taylor Swift's album. So I really enjoyed that. Um, For some reason, I only like live covers. I don't want to hear a studio version, but if you're going to do it in yeah, concert, I, that's Yeah, I kind cool. of agree with Luke. Nah. I think Ryan Adams did a great job, but yeah, I do enjoy live covers too. Um, a lot of most bands now, when I see them, well, current bands that they play a lot of covers. Um, when I saw Imagine Dragons, they played um, "Stand by Me," which Ooh. was really cool. They did a cool rendition of it, but like Billy Joel didn't play a cover. Um, no, no, he played. Uh... Oh, he played Christmas music. He played a lot of Christmas music, so those yeah. are all covers, I guess. When I saw him, I think it was either Back in Black or Highway to Hell, one of the ACDC songs. Oh, no, Shook Me All Night Long. He did that? He did a great version. Oh, that's interesting. Hey, did you guys know that Scenes from an Italian Restaurant is written about some Italian restaurant that my friend's parents went to? Whoa. (laughs) Hey, this sounds really Revelation. Was that something? Was it your parents, Luke? (laughs) He loves loves, uh, Newport. Uh, no, not Newport, uh, Rockport, Massachusetts. That's right. Um, yeah, I do enjoy covers, though. I definitely enjoy live covers. They're a lot of fun. But yeah, Dave Matthews is they they're they're probably the best band or one of my favorite bands in terms of I, I'll just YouTube covers that they do. He does a great job. They're just that band is one of the best current touring bands. They live off their touring, like they live off touring. Oh, yeah. That's all they do now. And man, they're just so talented. Everyone in that band is so talented. Um, it's it's truly incredible. But yeah, I, w- I would imagine they would do good covers. But yeah, yeah, I think that brings us to the end of our review and uh, the Tri Podcast number eight. Despite what Ryan thinks, uh, he's got something to say. No, I just wanted to just we didn't you didn't ask if we could do our final say. Um, oh, sorry. I just want to say that say. as I said, Florence is one of my favorite vocalists ever so far. Um, that I've experienced in my lifetime. Uh, I think she's a generational talent, and I think if you haven't listened to her, you should definitely listen to her because her plus the machine are incredible. So I want to say, where would you rank her on female vocalists? Oh, it's that—that that is a very hard question. Uh, it's a loaded question. 
um, because you want to, you know, there's a lot of great current female vocalists. Um, Are there? Yeah. Um, Florence. Well, in, your, in your opinion. I, I think. In terms of uh, who you like the most. I, I'd have to get back to you on that. Because uh, currently, I mean, it's it's Florence, but I mean, like, Cindy Lauper, so she was she was <laughs> she was great back in the day. Like Patty Smith is awesome too. Like Annie Leno, um, Joan Jett, Janis Joplin. Yeah, girls just want to have fun. They're all. Hey, I guess you could say Cindy Lauper is my guilty pleasure. Who are I don't current know. Female the Goonies vocalists. song. I love the Goonies song. Who are current female um, vocalists that Lauren you would say? Lauren Mabry from Churches. I really like. Uh, I also think Sia is pretty good, even though she's kind of mainstream. Um, um, Florence from uh, Florence and the Machine. Exactly. Oh damn. Um, I don't think we've mentioned her yet. Um, also, I really like Julia Stone as well. Um, part of Angus, Angus and Julia Stone. I don't know if you heard of that band. Mm, um, I, I think there's, I, I, I think there's more than you. I would think. say, in Four the current pop culture, Florence and the Machine is probably the only very talented singer. I, I think she's different than Lauren Mayberry. I think her and Lauren Mayberry are my two is favorites. Lauren Mayberry right now. The, in Churches. Yeah. I would argue that churches isn't exactly like I guess churches is played on it's, the radio. I don't know. I don't listen to the radio. No, it really isn't. Um, that's what, so. Like no. I would say, like if you were looking at like the mainstream, like Florence, I feel like is still pretty mainstream. Um, yeah. Where they'll make they'll get radio time. Most of those bands won't. Like the Civil Wars have a great female singer, and um, who does the Civil Wars? Civil Wars. Is that their name? Yeah, the Civil Wars. And then uh, also the Head and the Heart have a great female vocalist as well too. Mm. But um, no, I mean I'm in agreement. I think Florence might be the best there is right now. Yeah, this. she's she's really really talented. So but, uh Yeah, Luke. Any final closing thoughts? Uh, nope. Can't wait for number nine. That's right. It's gonna be in the new year, oh. 2017. Right. Any resolutions, That's Bailey? Luke's pick. My resolution is to see Billy Joel at MSG. There, there it is. Um, yeah, Luke's. We'll have Luke's pick as the first pick of 2017, so he better start the year off I right. Will, I will be on the edge of my seat Me at too. Christmas dinner, just wondering what Luke's going to come <laughs> up with. Me too. Um, yeah, I got, I got a lot of time. He's going to have to ask Ted for a little help. Yeah, that's true. But uh, anyway, that's uh, Tri Podcast number eight, Florence and the Machine. How big, how blue, how beautiful on Spotify. It's on iTunes. Luke, is it on YouTube? Oh, yeah. It's a little, uh, it's not as easy as some of the other ones, but all the songs are there. All right. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan. I see you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Have a good one. Have a great night. Oh, you know what I was going to say that the floor, my, my story about um, HB, HB, HB um, was an example of Brown's Law, how I was thinking about it. And then, well, kind of, to an extent. I have no idea what that's a reference to. Me neither. Brown's Law? <laughs> HB, HB, no, HB? What is HB? How big, how, blue, how beautiful. <laughs> Luke didn't pick up on it earlier. <laughs> oh. Brown's Wait, Law. So what about it? How is it Brown's Law? Because I was thinking about the crucifix and the Hollywood sign and had the lyrics in my head. And then I literally saw what. I oh. assume the lyrics are about. That's before Brown's Law was a thing. Yeah. You could say I paved the way for scientific way theory. Uh, Brown's Law paved the way when Luke and I had a fire drill, and we were talking about saving Silverman.
Was that it? Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, we came back after the fire drill at like two in the morning and it was on TV. That is such an underrated movie. That is such a great movie. That may be a top five comedy for me. It's uh, That's a really good movie. Um, so good. That's uh, Everything about that movie is just so well done. Was that Colin Hanks? Yeah. That's his, is oh, that wait, his first no. role? Yeah, right? That's is his that first role, right? No, it's Jason Biggs. Oh, oh so, yeah, 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 yeah. Jason Biggs. Colin I've never seen is, it. Uh, Orange County. Orange so County is another. Oh, Orange one. County is so good. Yeah, it's another underrated movie. Yeah. I, was, I was watching clips on YouTube the other day. Both of them are Jack good. Jack Black is just incredible oh. in that movie. What, oh, I love I loved Jack Black. What's, he's kind of become like a caricature of himself. But What's the thing great. when the building burns down and he's running out without his pants on? Yeah, he's got some uh, like great Bob line after that. Thing. Yeah, that's a that's a good movie. There's like the part when he's like Ben Stiller was the fireman, right? Yeah, yeah. I just like the part when he's sitting on the couch and Colin Hanks's character is all worried that he's not going to get into college or whatever, or that like they screwed up his application, and he's just sitting there. He's like, "Hey, look at me! I didn't go to college, and I'm kick ass." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. Sean Brumner or whatever his name. Is. Yeah. Oh man, everything. Yeah, and you are. Poor Colin Hanks in that movie. Chevy Chevy Chase is in it. Is he? Chevy. Wait, Chevy. Yeah, he's like the principal or, or a teacher, teacher or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a little cameo. Um, yeah, but... yeah. Colin Hanks is in a new show that looks pretty good, Life in Pieces. Never heard of it. I haven't seen it. I think it's in its second season now. It's on CBS, I think. It looks... The commercials make it look pretty funny. I don't watch much stuff that's, like, currently on TV. I haven't been, like, intrigued. Apparently, um... The what's the good life? Is the it the good wife? The good wife? No, not the good wife. Juliana Margulies. No, there's a new movie with that Gary Busey. Busey. Gary Busey still does movies. Uh, it's a TV show. Sorry. Uh, even worse. Um, how do you spell his name? Gary Busey. G A R Y. I got it. I got it. Yeah, guys are S E Y. Utah. Utah. Chet Stedman. Oh, maybe he used not. to have a great show on Comedy Central. I think it was just called Hanging with I'm Busey. I'm with Busey, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm a big Busey, Busey oh, fan. Hilarious. Never heard of it. Hilarious. Very upset that I don't know. Sorry, guys. Wow, I haven't seen that one. A big bust. Uh, Terrible. Uh, he, he had this huge plan for the after the after bit here. And he now I, don't, I have no idea what out. I wanted to talk about. I'm very upset with myself. Busey's son was in um, Identity. Really? What character? The, the uh, convict. Really? Really? Oh, yeah, you're right. Jake Busey, I think his name is. He's been in a couple of things. That's a great movie. Yeah, we watched that. Did you watch that with us uh, sophomore year in uh, Luke and Moose's room? Uh, probably. Yeah, I brought it. That's right. I brought it back. Blockbuster was going out of business in my town, and I had uh, gift cards to Blockbuster, so I had to use them. <laughs> and it was while I was home, I think, for Thanksgiving. That's an old and sentence. So... Gift cards to Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. What's a Blockbuster? Was, uh, Seriously, there's people that are going to listen to this and have no idea what Blockbuster is. I'm surprised. That was 2010. I would have thought it was even longer ago. There was still a Blockbuster <laughs> we, around six years ago. We had a Blockbuster and then a Hollywood video. Oh, oh my Hollywood God. Hollywood video. video was always such a reject. You also used to be able to like rent video game consoles yeah. at them. And uh, I used to rent... like playstation like the whole playstation console when i'd go see my dad <laughs> you could rent vcrs too oh it's crazy i yeah i never did consoles i would do uh oh it's uh, called the good place and it's not gary Busey. wow it's ted danson oh ted way off. Danson. samsonite but it's supposed to be a really good off. show uh, 
But anyway, yeah, I used to rent video games all the time. Uh, yeah, so I brought back that movie and I on Blu-ray, and Moose could play it on like the PS3 or whatever. Yeah. PS2, yeah, PS3. And uh, also the terrible movie with Jeremy Piven. Uh, oh, uh, The Goods? The that Goods. That is so bad. Oh. I watched that on the way to the national championship game in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so bad. Awful. Yeah, we watched those two movies, Identity and The Goods. Yeah. I don't think I stayed for that one. We watched a lot Identity. of movies sophomore year. We had a list. I'm so yeah, I'm right. so mad I missed Freddy Got Fingered. That was great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was talking about that. What Hot American Summer was oh, the same. Junior yep, year we watched time that. frame. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I listened to the song. What's the song in the show? The intro song? It's this show? No, to the Wet Hot American Summer show. Not our show. Can was the the higher? No, that's from the movie. That's, which is oh, what, I don't oh. watch I didn't watch the show. Ah, oh, you gotta Me watch Luke it, guy. I love that song. Um, but no, I can pull up the name of that song in a second. I don't know. Intro to the show. I don't remember it. Give me one second. It wasn't the one from the movie was um, Starship was uh, it was by Starship. It was uh, it was a name. Oh my god, that was in the movie. I don't know if they use that for the show as well. Jane, Jane by Starship. Oh, Jane, that's what I'm talking about. I think. Okay. Jefferson yeah, that, that Starship. Was the intro yeah, to the yeah. Movie, I remember. Oh, it was to the movie. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, so they used it for the show. one strange thing I didn't realize, the girl who plays Katie was the girl from one of the girls from the Mighty Ducks, which I can't believe I didn't catch. Yes, I just realized that. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe. Did you put that in the group text? I think so. Yeah. 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 When we were talking about Mighty Ducks that day. Yeah. I didn't realize that either. And then after you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. I haven't seen the Mighty Ducks in a while. I tried to watch it and Maggie made fun of me and then her dad wow. made fun of me. Wow. Like I said, Mighty it's Ducks a classic, got me but it in, really doesn't hold up. Got me into hockey. That's the reason why I played hockey. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, don't tell that story. Um, I'll tell it every day. But well, I hope you don't tell it All every day. day. <laughs> Gordon Bombay inspired you? Yeah, <sighs> Coach Bombay. What? It's it's a pretty – yeah, it is cheesy, but it's still the Minnesota Miracle Man. He, he's Luke, you should, just as bad as Keanu Reeves. Luke, what a terrible actor he is. Luke, you should love Mighty Ducks. It takes place in Minnesota. Like oh, it's a classic. Minnesota. It, but it's Luke just, loves the Twin Cities. Just... <laughs> I love Fargo. That's a great movie. Oh, Twin Cities, eh? Oh, yeah. Fargo. Do you watch the TV show, Fargo? Have we talked about this? No. Yeah, I haven't. I, I went to your place when you were watching it once. Oh, it's with so Kirsten Dunst. good. It's such a good show. <clears throat> Did you guys, have you guys heard about Brendan Fraser and all the stuff that he's going through? No. He got, like, divorced and he has to pay like 800,000 a month in alimony Jeez. and like some a million in child support. Was he married to anyone famous? No. But like Remember when he was like the biggest yeah. star in Hollywood? I went on the he mummy ride last Scrubs. night. He was in the Universal. Mummy. Last night? Yeah, I don't think it was I don't think it was his cameo in Scrubs <laughs> that did it for him. It did, I did, I think. No, the mummy movie. Like George of the Jungle, Journey the to the movies. Center of the Earth, Bedazzled. I feel like Journey to the Center oh, of the Earth was his last like, decent movie. Blast from the Past. Oh, that's George of the Jungle. I think that was the movie that the theater was packed, and my dad and I were forced to sit in the first row, and my neck oh, hurt. That's the worst. I, I hate sitting in the first row. This is the end. George, George, George of the Jungle. <laughs> Watch out for that tree. <laughs> 